Steve, we are, is your driveway shovel cleared? We, we got a lot of snow. You did? You did? Yeah, last uh, Friday we got like five inches. Okay. Yes, ours is ours is cleared. Had to do it again after some drifting stuff, and I think we have some neighbors away, so I went over and cleared theirs. Either that or they're just waiting me out to clear it for them. So, are you a snow? Do you have a snowblower? Uh, we have a tractor with the plow. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Well, look at you. I'm not smart enough for the snowplow. Like I, I the one I've had one before, and it kind of gets clogged up. So I'm, uh, I, okay. I'm, I call it my aerobics. If I don't do something, that's my All workout right. for the day. There you go. All right. Uh, anyways, this is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. With Steve. Uh, yeah, we've we've got really snowplows and snowmobiles and anything else snow to talk about. No, we got a lot of numbers to talk about today. I think is a, a good way to discuss and a little bit of basketball okay. talk. And we're also going to talk about Ohio State because they're in the news. Um, so yeah, I'm ready. You ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's start with the biggest news in the college sports world, in my opinion, in the last week, or at least feels like a week ago, but also feels like yesterday, um, at least in Penn State-dom, and then, of course, in Ohio State-dom, and that is Bill O'Brien is going to go be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Um, and it still is something that I kind of have chuckled and laughed about, and just, I don't know. I... As somebody that loves Bill O'Brien, that that knows what Bill O'Brien did for this program, and I don't fault him for taking the job at Ohio State, but boy, is it weird that he took a job at Ohio State. Like, I just, I feel weird about it. Yeah, I do. I, I, the first place I went was, well, Columbus is, has good hospitals for the kids, right? Or, you know, right. good. Um, yeah, it just gets going to feel weird. I mean, maybe not so much for some people as, as Larry Johnson, but maybe just as more for some people than Larry Johnson, right? Like, it's... He helped save the program, right? So it just feels weird, but that's where we're at now. He lost a job in New England. He's got to find a job somewhere, God forbid, to pay the rent. And it's going to be at Ohio State. I I was thinking about it in the context of Larry Johnson. And in the Larry Johnson thing, it to the outside perspective, I understood why he did it. But to the outside perspective, it, it very much felt like a slap in the face based on who Larry Johnson was. And then I think as kind of time has gone on and those wounds have healed, like I don't, I, I still think it was, I understand why he made that decision to go there. And I don't think it was as much of a slap in the face. I just think the, the thing that is interesting about Bill O'Brien is the timing in all of this, because once again, first off, I guess we begin with the fact that this will be Bill O'Brien, November 2nd is now Bill O'Brien's return to Beaver Stadium. And I, I don't think anybody had it on paper as him coming in there as Ohio State's assistant coach. And I think the, the second thing with it is it it's it's kind of one of those questions of like, or one of those moments of really, like it could have been anybody else, but really it had to be Ohio State because of the way Ohio State's had Penn State's number for the last umpteen years. It's going to be on paper, at least, looks like the most crucial game of the season yet again. I can't even imagine the message boards and the comments if Penn State loses to Ohio State and Bill O'Brien's the head coach, while James Franklin was the head coach at, at, or at Penn State. And it's just going to be a giant mess, is, is all I'm just going to say, if Penn State loses. Wow, you're worried about them losing? Yeah, yeah, that's a ways out there, and and they could. I mean, it just it's what makes college football. Well, it's not what makes college football fun because this stuff didn't have, feel like it happened as much mm -hmm. 
10 years ago, five years ago, even. Um, no, I think O'Brien, I don't, I think O'Brien liked Penn State for college football more than he thought he would. I think he likes, he, he feels like more of a pro football coach. He did the redemption tour in Alabama to, to get the place to go back somewhere. And now the, the, you know, the job, job caravan is just carousel, sorry, has stopped and he didn't have a ride on it except for Ohio State. Um, yeah, it'll feel weird. I mean, you know, he's only, again, only here those couple of years, but but made a big impact. And of course, it had to be Ohio State, right? Like of all the times you think, oh, it's going to be this, you know, and then Ohio State's signing more players and doing more things. And you think, oh, this could be the year they get them. They lose the quarterback. They're using some players. Oh, lo and behold, Lansford, transfer plural. There's some more players and there's Ohio State looking like they're going to be okay next year again. Maybe even better than okay. I'm interested in it because uh... – and we'll we'll get back to the transfer portal stuff here in a second because I do have a note on that that I want to hit on. But I'm interested in it for a couple of other reasons. And and some of them are dumb logistical things, but like the fact that Bill O'Brien didn't show up in the post-game or pre-game pump-up video until about two seasons ago. And now he's gonna is he gonna be removed? Like it's it's just like this weird, awkward elephant in the room of do you acknowledge the fact that this guy who saved the program? who probably didn't get uh, at least in my opinion, enough acknowledgement of that from the current administration, from the current coach, do you still keep him in? Cause now he's coaching at the main rival or the, the main team that's had your number for past couple of years. I, I, I think about that. Um, and I just think about it in, in the, the Bill O'Brien and, and James Franklin um, kind of relationship, because I guess, you know, they work together at Maryland Um Mark Wogenrich had a great shot of a media guide and one page is Bill O'Brien and the other page is James Franklin back to back pages. And it's, it's just, it's interesting because it, it seems like there's, there wasn't like a great relationship there or maybe the two couldn't have stand each other. And I don't know. It's just like one more little plot twist of college football that you're right. No, I mean, I know it doesn't happen as often, but it, it does make it fun. I think it no, in, in the vacuum and absence of actual information about it, those two things are both interesting, right? The pump-up video at the stadium. The best thing is, you know, people are going to debate this. This is going to be a discussion. This is going to be an actual meeting. At least a portion of it is, do we pull that out? Do we not pull it out? You know what? Dude coached here. Stick it in there. Don't overthink it. Do whatever, right? And then the relationship between the two. I, I, my perception before James Franklin showed up, or at least we got to hear more from James Franklin, was that, Perhaps there wasn't a good relationship, and maybe that was skewed by what, what I was hearing from from OB. But I think as Franklin got a little more comfortable here, and decided probably wisely not to to air anything or complain about anything, it was oh yeah, Billy and I got okay. along great, right? So, and you don't know, right? But it's just because you don't know, and because you never really will know, because you know assistant coaches don't talk, head coaches aren't going to waste time talking about that. Nobody's going to say anything negative. That's the kind of speculation that adds to the the speculation over you know who should make the playoff that makes college football what it is it's amazing how that game went from like i think a lot of penn staters have the usc game in mind the ucla game in mind really that middle stretch of the season in general that a lot of penn state fans are keying in on right but it's amazing how all of a sudden that once again became the most important most interesting game of the season literally within the span of two hours well, in a couple of weeks after the season, Ohio State's lost its quarterback. You assume Marvin Harrison's not coming back. You know, they've got changes. Ryan Day is under pressure for, God forbid, winning 11 games a year. And 
you know, it, it was one you could look at and say, oh, maybe next year, of course, just like this year, maybe next year, maybe this is right. where we're going to get them. And then that changes and the other ones are interesting and different because they're new on the schedule. But sometimes familiarity breeds the contempt and there it's going to be. Yeah. Um, the other thing I did want to hit on Ohio State related, and I swear that we're not becoming an Ohio State podcast. We'll still focus on Penn State, but I think this was just interesting in the sports media landscape. Uh, did you see the alleged rumor that Ohio State dumped $13 million into their NIL program over the last couple of weeks to keep the players? Um, do you believe that number? Because I don't know if I do. I don't know if I believe it, but I am certain they probably had to find some money because, yeah. because I believe, I believe with Penn state basketball on a much smaller scale. I know that conversation happened in December around, Oh, they're being successful. We're meeting with people in New York city. We need to talk about, we might have to retain people. And, and it, and it has become that. So I no, I, when I saw that number, my first thought was somebody from Penn state football is going to make sure how much money they have in the bank and how much money the, the, the group has to offer people. I'm just going to doing some calculator math here. Hold on. I think I entered. I mean, that's not small change per athlete. If there are a hundred of hundred of them on the team, if I entered this. Oh, and that's right. you, that's you giving it out in a socialist manner where everybody gets the same amount. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's making and some good money and some, some other people are getting enough to be fine. Um. So I, I don't know, like as we, in the reason I bring this up, because we'll get into the finances thing here in a second. As we, I just, and this goes back to the point we keep harping on, I feel like we sound like a broken record, is like just a little bit of transparency on this stuff would be great because I actually think it would breed competition. I think in Penn State's case, and for Penn State fans that have bitched and moaned about this, this would be a good smack in the face if Ohio State really is bringing in $13 million and whatever Michigan's driving and whatever even Michigan State is driving. Like, okay, like, here's where you are as a program. How can I fan, if I have to compete with this, if I have to be involved with this, how can I kind of contribute towards that? And I think that's, I know you don't want to, you don't like that reality, but that is the reality of, of having to have a good football program or a good, any program really yeah, it's a good. Any it, program. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I thought about with wrestling this weekend, Penn state goes out and beats Michigan and Michigan has four people that brought in on transfers who probably didn't come to Michigan for free. Maybe they got good wrestler money, but still, it was you know it's kind of funny as the Penn State as the Penn State fan. Okay, so you guys brought in four, not the Penn State hasn't because it has, but you guys brought in four more four people, and oh, is it still close? Oh no, it's not, yeah. right? So, but I mean that's probably the Ohio State perspective on somebody else who's spending. If Penn State were to spend in football, no, I think that's that's a perfect way to look at. It. I haven't really I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I've been been thinking about just with wrestling and the scores that they put up and the, the stats that they put up type thing. And it, in terms of Kale Sanderson's dominance and yeah, that's you're right. Like that, like for whatever reason, and, and we should probably like spend a deeper dive on this and, and maybe we will in the future, but like why is Pennsylvania the state that wrestling is we'll, we'll, we'll have a blank check for because that's really what the wrestling program at Penn state pretty much has a blank check. Um, and the other programs don't, and it's kind of confusing and I don't understand it, but maybe I do. So anyways, uh, want to get your thoughts there. Anything else on the Ohio state? And... No, he'll just look weird in those colors. It's, I it's, hope, I hope it's they have some fighters work. on the roster for him. That would be great. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's a hundred percent weird. I I just there's it's like guess they wore Alabama red, so it's no big deal. Yeah, I guess. But even those pictures still looked weird. Like like and those pictures exist and are real, and it looked weird at the time, and it looked weird now looking back at those. Um, I I will still Bill O'Brien will still be, uh, even when this season is and whatever this little tenure here at Ohio State is done, will still be. Will still. I mean, he was the coach of my. That was I was the coach when I was a student. Like I, it, it was. I never had Joe as a, uh, as, as a coach as a student, and I, I just, I don't. Know, I was going to appreciate Bill O'Brien. It would just be very uncomfortable for the fact that he's wor- working and employed by Ohio State. Um. Okay. Speaking of money, would you like to get into the the money of college athletics? I guess would be the Let's best. Here, way I know to you say. did research. You I did research. The desktop there. This okay. is going to be big stuff. I come prepared, Steve. I come prepared. Um, okay. So I want to talk about this in a couple of ways. I want to get, I want to first kind of present my opinion on the state of Penn State athletics through the state of their finances uh, would be the best way. So for those of you that are catching up um, every year, required by the NCAA, Penn State is required to release a report that says, here's how much money we've spent and here's how much money we've earned. Now, they don't have to get particularly granular, but they they do get granular down to like sports equipment and travel funds, et cetera. But we don't necessarily know coaches' salaries. Um, Of course, Pennsylvania has the protection for whatever reason around the salary of the head coach or only of the head coach of the, the football team and the men's basketball team being known. And we don't really know any other salary for the most part, even assistance within football. Um, I think the most important and interesting note um, that came out to me, two, two things that came out to me that stuck out to me. Um, and, and I didn't necessarily outline them. I, one of them I outlined, but the other one I didn't is now, Penn State now generates over $200 million of revenue, which is an upper tier, um, an upper tier uh, NCAA program, I, I, you know, Ohio State being another one. To me, it is not surprising to hear. And I think that is also great to hear if you care about Penn State athletics, because you probably do want to be in that that portion. Um what was surprising actually sitting down and looking at the numbers because I haven't really hadn't really looked at the numbers in a long time is just how much money Penn State like spends right they only made a hunt so they they spent 202 million dollars last year and they made a revenue of 126,000 which obviously to you and I is still a lot of money that would be a great salary to have type thing but I don't know. That's that's not necessarily like a lot of money. Now, a year ago, they did turn a ten million dollar profit, and I think that's probably why we see the spending the way it is. So, I here's what I'm wondering, based on what these numbers tell me: Is this the way spending is going to go with Pat Craft in the Pat Craft era at Penn State, where they're going to spend kind of up to that max, but maybe still make a slight profit, um, so that there's money being pumped into the bank? And is that because this is really Pat Kraft's first full year as being AD? Is that his MO or was that just because of the $10 million surplus the previous season 
and or previous year and are we going to find that out next like when we have this report this time next year so that was what was most interesting to me at looking at these numbers and and kind of contextualizing these numbers um when you went through them steve um and i don't know with what detail was there anything in particular that stood out to you because there's another thing that stood out to me um, that a couple of people called out I, no, I think it's the spending in general. It's not the spending in general. That's the way large organizations like this function. You know, the, the, the rainy day, you know, tucking away money doesn't happen in, in with the facilities arms race, with all the things they have going on. So, no, I don't think, I, I think that just stuck out like it's like, it's like, it's like giving a kid an allowance, right? They're going to spend what you give them, right? You know, and, and that's what athletics has always felt like to me. And is is part of the reason I could get on to, I could get closer to student athletes being paid is because everybody else is on their back, right? Everything else is on their back. How we not do some certain things, but you, then you can't not do certain things because then you're losing the, the the race for whatever it is, facility support, whatever else. So I think that's what sticks out when people, and, and just the sheer amount of money that, that, that people are willing to pay for stuff, right? That yeah, <laughs> it's on TV, yeah. dude, or do that. Like, it, it's amazing to me that that, that what that affinity for a sporting event will make encourage people to spend. Well, so let's, let's start there with people spending um, Penn state in. So 2022, 2023. So the Rose bowl slash NCAA tournament year, that's to give you a, a state of mind. Penn state made $47.9 million in ticket sales from all of its sports with 41 million of that being football, um, which is, Obviously, we knew that football brings in the most, but you know, then we layer in the other ten million that people are spending on concessions and and you know parking and everything else. And I think this is why, like, obviously, it doesn't necessarily work out this way. But like, you divide that over a family of four, and and what the cost becomes, like, this is why people gripe about. Beaver Stadium concession stands not necessarily being the best in the country. They want to maximize and get the most out of their their dollar in, in the, the experience. Now, do they have a great experience at the games in the stadium themselves? In my opinion, yes. Like I, For as much as we nitpick on this podcast about this and that with, within Penn State football's experience, particularly with the game day experience presentation, I, I think it's still – one of, if not the best in the Big Ten that I, I've been to, and I've I've been to every Big Ten stadium. Um, so that that was interesting to me. But the number that Ben Jones pointed out that was most interesting to me, and then somebody else kind of in a comment section actually called this out. Penn State essentially would not have turned a profit had they not turned beer sales on in 2022. Um, so, or they'd have spent less somewhere else. Yeah, or they would have spent less somewhere else, but. It was that was really interesting, and, and it's amazing to me that Pat Kraft hasn't gone and knocked on doors or whatever to get beer in the BJC, beer in all of Pagula, beer even in Rec Hall. Like I, I don't understand. To me, it seems like it feels like a no-brainer decision. Obviously, there's a liquor license. Obviously, there's legal and all of this other stuff that they have to go through. But after seeing these numbers, I mean, it essentially, Penn State made a hundred or one point seven million dollars more in concessions particularly from football than they did the previous year, all because halfway through the season, they turned beer sales on. So we don't even know what the full season looks like and the impact of that yet. Um, and it certainly felt like that was more well-known that you could buy beer. 
Well, you have out Pagula has it in the suites, right? Mm -hmm. The suites in the upper level, the dot that upper the suite area. So that's good. Um, you know, good for them financially. And I have not been to a men's basketball game this year, but I feel like when we saw the Wisconsin game, some dude in the stands was holding a glass that looked I don't know, a clear glass that looked like I guess it probably wasn't beer or we'd have known that there was there'd be a story about it, I guess. But it just it it, it didn't look like a BJC cup, like a white cup it looked like a clear cup that had amber color liquid in it so i, I don't know whether i'm well, missing maybe something. we're wrong then. maybe I'm i mean wrong. it's possible because shame on me for not going to a men's game but they're on tv so well and i think i think it's it, it's kind of like we talk about not to get like weirdly political but we talk about like weed sales in state we talk about gambling in state states are going to do it because they see money like they it, you could easily see the money from it it's it kind of becomes a no-brainer so to me I, I don't know. I just think you look at the numbers there and that that was surprisingly very interesting. Um, a couple of other interesting numbers. I think the the basketball ticket sales number was the was the most surprising to me out of all of these. Uh, it went up over a million dollars all because Penn State had a good basketball team. So that shows what happens when you invest in your basketball program. It might not happen overnight. It might not happen tomorrow, but you build momentum for your program the way Micah Shrewsbury did, and and it appears that Penn State fans will return that with ticket Is sales. Was ticket sales a separate line from the the NCAA share thing, like that they get for being there, or it, does that I, show up in the same year? That might not show up to a year down the road. It, I believe it, it. It there's an NCAA like part, but okay. I, I think it, it, the way I read it was through um, separate ticket sales, and then. Uh, the other one that was interesting to me that I, I think is something to keep an eye on is two sports as ticket sales grow. One of which is built a relatively newer stadium and, and gets you to pay attention to them a little bit more. At least this, this sport is growing. The other one, I think, is starting to get a foothold in this state specifically. Men's lacrosse um, essentially doubled their ticket revenue year over year up to 18,000, obviously not a ton of money for Penn State in the grand scheme of really a drop in the bucket, but interesting to note that it's growing um, for a program that is kind of growing in a sport that is growing. And additionally, the one that I'm most interested in is I really feel like women's hockey is going to be the next it sport, so to speak. And I think that's going to be a, a gateway for more girls to get their attention into hockey. Um, and that went up uh, about 50%. Their, their ticket revenue went up 50%. So well, they were them. both, they were both, well, lacrosse for sure was, was yeah. free and was free in your lifetime at some point. And women's hockey was darn close to free the first year if it wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I think that was something they did probably 10 years ago for some other sports. They started charging tickets just to say, okay, coaches, you're going to make 5,000 extra dollars somewhere through the year. At least you can do something with it if you sell the tickets. And it was kind of on them to drive interest and help market and sell those things. So, yeah, every, there's there's no there's not much free as it relates to Penn State athletics anymore from tickets to any part of it, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just the way it is. I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it as long as um, people don't get priced out, particularly for for sports the lower or the the non revenue driving sports the way football or and no, and I think their coaches would 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 you know what I mean? be careful of that as well. Like, hey, we can't increase this too much, and nobody's going to show up. Like at right. some point it's not a value. Right. Um, so I think that was interesting. Um, 
the other thing that was interesting that I was curious about going back to the NIL discussion is the contributions, which is your Lion Club contribution uh, for your tickets, only essentially went up like a million dollars year over year. Um, with NIL existing, this kind of being one of the first really bigger years of NIL, in my opinion, at Penn State, um, it's interesting to see that there wasn't necessarily a drop. I don't know what it grew. Like you could go look it up, but I don't know what it grew previous years, if that was a smaller growth amount. Um, so that's, I think that's going to be an important number to keep an eye on in the future. Well, and that grew in some part too, because I think they added, I don't think I had a hockey contribution until this season. Mm, like I, didn't, okay. I didn't have to have an NIL contribution, Nittany Lion Club contribution to get my hockey tickets until this season it was the first season. I remember seeing that. Okay. So there's probably a decent chunk of that realistically. Yeah. And I do know that, I, I, and I, we talked about this a little bit on Twitter this week, but the season ticket went up contribution for most of the lower bowl, really everybody's seats for by a hundred dollars um, or at least the, the North end zone all the way wrapping around. Um, to me, that is your gas money for your athletes going to the West coast. That is uh, uh, that's what that is. Like, it's very apparent that that's what that money line is for. Um, so those were the relatively interesting numbers that I saw. Um, that was it that in terms of revenue. Uh, so between TV tickets and uh, TV tickets and the contributions, that's essentially a little over about 60% of Penn State's revenue for um uh, for the year. Um, so, so that's interesting to keep in mind. Now expenses, what, what going back to what surprised me and, and something that maybe you've harped on and griped on a little bit, the number one cost for Penn state was not head coaches or coaches salaries. It was support staff slash administrative compensation at $39 million. So essentially for every dollar that you make through Penn state football ticket sales is going out the door towards an administrative and support staff. Um, interested to see that number and the way that number grows or doesn't grow. Or I think that's just a, I wonder what, I would also like to get that number and compare it to other big 10 schools. Cause that feels particularly high. Um, not discrediting anything people do, but I don't uh, know. It might be, it might be where other people are. Although, I mean, again, men's basketball, just cause I wrote it the past week. You know, you got a 17-person support staff. That's who makes the website, and a couple of them I get it are graduate assistants, but they're still listed as the support staff. You got a 17-member support staff for men's basketball? Like, I'm just not – and it's the same way with the athletic department. Again, the number of student-athletes who've been added at Penn State is two hockey teams in the past 30 years. The number of student-athletes otherwise has been the same. Somehow, some way, those teams were, were competitive in the landscape that existed then – with much fewer people making sure they somehow succeeded. So I, and I know the world's changed. It's just amazing to me, the bloat, the growth, maybe bloat is the wrong word, the administrative creep that has happened in athletics across the board everywhere. Cause it's not just Penn state. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a little unbecoming on the backs of the kids in some ways. I mean, it, it, it's it, to me, as I, like you said, it's something I've chimed in on before. It's, it's even worse than, than the, the, the other stuff that's happened on the kids back. Cause these are actual people who are like, Oh, just here to support you. Thanks for making my job possible. You know, it, I don't know. It just yeah. feels weird. It would be interesting to almost have like a survey, right? Like of, do you, and you see this from time and time again on like Twitter and like, and I, 
I think football is the outlier in it really anytime we talk about these numbers, football is very much the outlier because they get they're gonna get most of that money. Um but like fencing or tennis, golf, those sports, like do they do those kids feel the same support that wrestling, hockey, football feel? Um, that would be what would be interesting to me. And I think about that just even visually in terms of the facilities that are available at Penn State. Um So that was that was interesting. The other thing that was the one of the more surprising numbers of all of this. Um, so twenty three million dollars goes to towards room board and tuition for Penn State athletes. Um, with the number two team being women's hockey, um, at like one point two ish million, um, and it just was kind of a surprise. It makes sense because they've got a lot of athletes and, and the way their scholarships get divided up. Um, But it was it was kind of an interesting little little nugget if you've never really paid attention to that. Um, They knew that when they came in. I mean, that's why they tried to pitch an equestrian team as a way to balance out instead of hockey. Like, I mean, it wasn't yeah. a foregone conclusion that there was going to be men's and women's hockey when it first started. Um, but a couple of administrators kind of, I think, went to the mat to make sure the women's hockey team became something. Um, because otherwise, that there really wasn't the gift. The Pagula gift wasn't for both sports. It was for men's hockey and athletics had to find some stuff for the women and, and they knew that they were going to be costly going forward. Yeah, I think that so was... they should win some games and drive some attendance to help. Yeah, that stuff yeah. and I, I I like the way that 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 program is headed. Um, any, let me see. Look at the other interest. Five point two million dollars on sports equipment. Five point two million dollars. Now I don't know if that's like all that I I would would assume that's not necessarily the Nike stuff. That's like footballs and like sticks and pads and etc. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's a, I mean it makes sense, but that's a lot teams. of stuff's not that's cheap. a lot of money. Um, so that one was interesting. Um, and let's see what else was interesting in there. The other thing was the uh, essential, like, not this disparity, probably. Yeah, no, it's a disparity. Let's call it what it is uh, between men's and women's sports. So 17 million goes towards men's head coaches with 7 million of that being for James Franklin. And I think maybe like 3 million, or I might be over inflating that number off the top of my head, be it for going to, um, to uh, Mike Rhodes, Mike Rhodes. Um, but only 3.9 million goes towards head coaches of women's programs, um, which is just, that was a bit surprising to see um, that wasn't as even as I necessarily would have thought it would be. Um, of course, it probably more aligns to where the money comes from. And, um, you know, none of the, the women's sports are really revenue producing Um, in the same way that the men's sports are at Penn State. Right. And I think that that's always the Title IX challenge, that stuff and whatever, you know, those numbers and, and, and what does revenue producing mean versus, you know, just plain old equity. And you know, it translates up to, to the WNBA. I was listening today with, well, we may talk to Caitlin Clark a little later, you know, the average salary in the N women's NBA is like $81,000, right? And people are like, that's not very much. Well, that's what the market is bearing, apparently. Like, there's not going to be a millionaire in terms of playing salary, WNBA stuff, there's probably not going to be millionaire women's coaches, except for a, a few, a small handful across the country. And I wonder what I, I would be willing to bet at least 99% of those. I got to think maybe even a hundred percent of those of the highest paid women's coaches are, are basketball, right? Like, I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can't of the top, let's say top 20. Um, I'd be surprised if there was, Two two in the top 20 that weren't women's basketball, perhaps, of the women, highest paid, collegiate women's coaches. Yeah. I wonder, I, it, 
it would be it would be very interesting as somebody that's generally curious it would be very interesting to see what each of the head coaches make we don't know that but um would be very interesting um so that was relatively it for the the numbers um i hope we could kind of provide some context around them and what, what we saw uh, what was interesting there anything else you want to add about uh, the old financial report no, related, but not related. So I, I forgot to tell you, I was actually at an event this weekend, not on the Penn State campus, on another major university campus, sat in the hockey arena to watch Penn State lose. And what was interesting is what wasn't there again. We've had this conversation about Notre Dame and some other places. Nothing was for sale inside the in, – for sale, there was lots for sale. There was nothing for sale on the dashboards or the ice that wasn't Notre Dame, which – and and I – I don't think the money's that significantly different. It's just interesting what what places monetize and what they choose not to monetize and, and what their look and feel is like based on that. It's it's always kind of jarring to watch a Notre Dame hockey game specifically because of that because you don't see the ads. Like your your brain is so trained to see those ads on the boards there and they don't have them. They're one of the few schools in the country that doesn't have ads there. Yeah, uh, maybe was a, the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. It took me a second too, like because one of the ads is kind of set up. It almost looks like an Anderson Windows ads because that's what my mind looks like with the fightingirish.com. And I was like, and I elbowed Susan. I'm like, hey, what do you notice about the arena? She's like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm like, well, you can't see it, but once you see what you can't see, you won't be able to unsee it. Right. And she's like, what? Are you, what are you saying? I'm like, give it a second. And she's she's like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, there's nothing. I get it. Did they have ribbon board ads? To no ribbon board. No ribbon board at board. Nothing on the scoreboard. I, I would like to go to the that. The only facility. ad was a pregame. They had a pregame slap shot thing for $250. That they brought three people out on the ice. But even, I don't even know if there was stuff on the Zamboni. I don't think there was stuff on the Zambonis. Hmm. That's interesting. So, I mean, yeah. it makes sense for there. I mean, they're. It is, and I, I get it. I, it's just, but I don't think they're making so much more from the NBC and Peacock deal. Like, I still think they're making less than Penn State is, but they don't have thirty-one sports to pop up either. Yeah, no, no, that's true. They don't have as many sports there, um, which is interesting. I, I think about that a lot. Like, think about that with with Penn State, particularly in this whole boom of women's wrestling, right? Like, it makes sense for Penn, like geographically, or or. Not ethically, but I don't know what the word is there. It's in the ethos of Penn State in Pennsylvania to to get a women's wrestling team going. Lockhaven has one for Christ's sake, and Iowa has one. Why doesn't Penn State? Um, and 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 but then you kind of like after like look at these numbers, right? You know, right. so um, so yeah, all right. Um, that's about it. That's uh about it for that stuff. Uh, let's move on to this good question that you have for me about Penn State basketball. I forget how I phrased it. What oh are you most interested? Which one are you most interested in, most or least interested in, women's basketball or men's basketball at this point? Is that what I texted? Uh, all right, here we go. To the text messages from Steve. Which are you more optimistic slash care optimistic. about, men's or women's hoops? Referring to Penn State. Women's. There you go. Uh, um, so if you know the question, why are you busting my chops? Why don't you just answer I would it? just like to tease you. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Gun to my head type thing. I I feel more optimistic about the fact that the women's program is is headed back in the direction that it it was for much of my childhood, right? Like, and I know that that sounds weird, but like there was a lot of pride in Penn State women's basketball, particularly in the early part of the two thousands, or you know, 
early on that the the Kelly Mazanti era, right? Like, and even the players behind you, and the you know, like even when I was a student in that the I think it was my junior year they won a Big Ten title, right? Like a regular season title. It was a point of pride, and it was very hard to watch that program drop off. So I am to see it turn around. The way it has under Caroline, I am I am more optimistic, more hopeful about that. Not, but I would, but I'm. It's it's funny how my, like over, particularly this transition happened like mid college, right? Like, I have become much more a Penn State men's basketball fan. Like, I will sit down and make Penn State men's basketball appointment viewing. If the Lady Lions are on, I will happen to turn them on. Now, as they get good again, I will probably start to pay even more attention to them. So I hope that provides clarity on your answer. But I would say towards a goal, uh, a higher achieving goal, Penn State women's basketball. Okay. That makes, I, I think that makes sense. I, so I'm hearing, how much patience do you expect to have, you expect to need for the men to be good again? Like tournament I level good again. Tournament level good again because they've been. And this has scared me, and I kind of hinted at the, in this in the story I wrote. They've been to the tournament. In theory, you could make the argument they were tournament level one of the past two countries, right? Right. So if if Rhodes gets in there, holy cow, they might almost be basketball competent. Three coaches and three tournament level teams, if that happens. Looking at the amount of money that they spent on that program, looking at the and, and then laying it out that way, the way you just laid it out, and then laying it out in terms of expectations of what Mike Rhodes did, did at VCU and now has to do at Penn State in the same, maybe not mm -hmm. to necessarily the same level, but in some similar fashion. And then the fact that Micah, Micah Shrewsbury really did it in what, two two seasons? I will be... It will be a mild disappointment next year if Penn State doesn't make the tournament because they're they're a 500 team right now. Like I don't know if they'll necessarily finish out that way, but they're a 500 level team. What does he get? What's he gets even more of his guys in terms of a recruiting class in? Um, and then obviously the transfer portal really spins harder in in basketball. Um, I, I don't know. I just like I I was reading. I went back and was reading what we wrote about that tournament run, and I still. I still believe that Micah Shrewsbury was the proof that Penn State basketball can be a thing, right? Like he, and so it's there's no more excuses. I I I I don't have the patience for a a ten years like I did with Pat Chambers. Okay, I just didn't know that. So that was my sense of where you were going, but I just didn't yeah. know. So thanks. Very cool. Um, what about you? Same question to you. I think I would be. The women felt so far off that I'm a little surprised at how well they're doing mm -hmm. this season. Um, and that the, you know, the whole cobble together a, a lineup and transfer people in and do whatever else feels like it should be tougher for women in some ways than men. Just, I don't know, just cause relationships, right? Like, and then that's stereotypical, but I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm more surprised about the women than the men this year, honestly. The um, way it clicked was surprising. I think this year, the way it has clicked after well, yeah, it, just because it looks, yeah. I mean, it just felt like excuse. I mean, I get everybody else in the world had COVID. Everybody else had, some, you know, other people had coaching changes, whatever else. It just felt like there was a bigger gap to close this year um, if they were going to be good. But they might have done a decent job of closing it. Um, we'll see as they play out. I mean, maybe they're going to be tournament level this year. And that would be a big, a big thing. I think a big, 
big credit to, to, to Keegs and, and, and the team and whatever else. Um, and the men, yeah, I don't have – I mean, I kind of say it facetiously, but it's true. They're not asking me to do anything. They just want to go out and win basketball games, and that's great. So as long as you're not asking me to, to climb, do whatever else, and you're just going to go prove yourself, go ahead. But, yeah, it probably shouldn't take 10 years. Um, and I think it'll probably take two or three, honestly. Yeah, no, and I think that's... And if it doesn't take two or three, I think it'll be interesting to see the fan base's patience with that yeah. in the new in the new world. Yeah, and I, I wonder how whatever happens with the football program, whether it's good or bad over the next really two, three years, like distracts or, or adds to that circumstance, right? right. Um, no, I, I think that's, that's about where I'm at with it too. So, okay. Um, that's good. Uh, let's move on to this week's old guy, young guy, uh, which I think we've debated similar things around this, but you, you want to tee this one up as well? I teed it up a little bit, or I just pitched it to you a little bit because of the Caitlin Clark, Ohio State girl running incident, which I thought was going to get more national attention today than it did, which is great that I'm glad it didn't become like this thing. Um, so I guess I'm just more curious about court storming in general. Like, it's, it, is it... In my experience at Penn State, we were never good enough at basketball for that to be a thing. Like, they didn't beat anybody that mattered. Uh, the biggest moment that I can remember as a student was the Oklahoma cheerleaders showing up with the Oklahoma team to play us at Rec Hall, um, but didn't win, so didn't need to storm the court. Um, football, we didn't because we were better than everybody. Like, you just don't you do not do that, you know? Um, so, I don't know. Like, I did you – I mean, because there's a part of me with the whole Wisconsin thing last week. Look, they're they're 11 or whatever they were. It, 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 they save it for a top five team. Feels like there should be rules. You may storm the court if if you know you are uh, if they Steve's, are a top five team that you haven't beaten in the past five years on your floor. Some something like that. This is Steve's guide to court storming. It's like um, my church coffee thing. Yes, you can't get coffee if you're under 10. No. Um. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Okay. Uh, the Caitlin Clark thing was hilarious to me because there were a couple tweets that like were like we're we're kind of blaming the the fan and it was very clearly Caitlin Clark's fault that she ran into this other fan like she was not paying attention. That being said, I think it's I think it's a good thing for women's basketball that court storming is happening because it means it means something and yep. obviously uh, I, there was a great graphic going around this weekend of what Caitlin Clark does essentially to attendance for the opposing teams mm -hmm. and how all of these schools are getting sold out when, when these ha when these happen. But I think it, you don't see that happen in women's basketball very often. Um, I couldn't really remember a time when it happened. So I thought that was great. Um, I have no problem with court storming. I have no problem with it the other night against, uh, against Wisconsin, particularly because the, I, I think in a lot of ways that was like a, a breath, breath of fresh air win for Penn State basketball mm -hmm. that like, you know what, like this isn't going to be a perfect season, but there's going to be good moments. And I think this was an opportunity for Penn State students to celebrate that. Um, I stormed the court once um, as a student. That was the Penn State Michigan game, Trey Burke game, um, which I think we've talked about that before. Um. There was one year, I think it was my senior year, um, because we we made three separate poster fronts at the collegian about it. Um, 
but there were three separate court storming, and that felt like a lot. Like you get one per season. I, I, I <laughs> that's ridiculous. Get, now you're on the board with the rules. Season. Yeah, there might have been one in my career. There might have been. I, that I, I think I was covering the game. It was probably Penn State winning the Atlantic Ten at Rack Hall against that's Rhode Island though. in '91. Right, like that felt that's like different. And that was like the first time, the first high water mark at home in a long time. Right, so that 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 probably made sense. And I think even, I think even the the storming the field for football games is I guess, have fine. You done, that was my next question. Have you so done the that? only the only time the, the only time in my lifetime that's ever really been the opportunity was the 2016 Ohio State game, and that's uh, so yes, we went down on the field then, um, but I I have I I have no problem with it for the most part. There was one time. It was the Will Levis, Sean Clifford game, 2019. Ohio State, it was right before Thanksgiving break, and Ohio State fans went onto the field. Like, they ran onto the field at the end of the game. And I didn't necessarily understand why, because it wasn't an upset. It was just, mm-hmm. I think it was their biggest game of the season. So they were, that was kind of... I, in general, support college football field storming um and i think it's dumb when the sec and, and some of these other conferences punish you greatly for doing it because i don't know it's you're never going to do that in pro football I, 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 it's it's a yeah, part of this tradition and part of I the, get the argument gusto but like it's not as to me it's really i i'm sure there's people that have been hurt i just I mean, you know the only person that didn't get off the court safely for iowa the other day was caitlin clark right the the number of football players that don't get off the field safely is one or two, and we're not talking career-ending career ending injuries. We're talking getting bumped into people. I don't think stuff, for the most part, is mean-spirited at places. I mean, I'm sure some kids have gotten in other kids' faces, and you got to, you know, try to mitigate that as best you can. But, yeah, I think it's – we've accepted it as part of what we do, and if it's something that doesn't – that they outlaw or get rid of, I, I think we lose a little something. I, I'm surprised – and maybe there was a little bit of a plan with the Caitlin Clark thing, but, like, I'm surprised that more – university police slash arena management slash athletic departments don't have like a a plan a better plan for escorting the opposing team off the court and and Uh, we don't know they might have like i haven't dug into that rabbit hole deep enough they might have said hey this is where you're supposed to go because if you i mean there's only one iowa player that was running down through there i mean the other ones and the coaches got to the back without any incident so maybe somebody just took a wrong route or was maybe freaked out or who knows or was looking to take a charge i don't know whatever like i mean unfortunately i mean that and that what a what a awful place social media was slash interesting place man that that kid was getting beat up left and right right for for that too so it was that one was caitlin clark's fault i i i i she's the greatest women's basketball player at least of the last few years um particularly college basketball that was that was on her that one was on her i don't disagree all right Anything else you want to discuss on the podcast this week? No, that's good. We can listen enough to people from Iowa off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if we were long. Um, there's just so much to talk about. That's all. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, I was going to do a newsletter this week, so I'll probably do a newsletter this week. Steve, if you would like to join said newsletter, you're more than welcome to, but you don't have to. Um, I'll probably send that Thursday or Friday. Um, there's that. Uh there's schedules on the website for some of those sports we talked about today. Uh, so that's good. Um, let's see what else we've got a website, which Steve wrote something for last week. Um, 
is kind of the five T's of Penn State basketball, um, five stages of being a Penn State basketball fan or caring about Penn State basketball. Um, and it was good. I enjoyed it. So make sure you check that out. Um, other than that, we've got a website, as I mentioned, it's called stuffsummersays.com. On that website, there's a section called with Steve. With Steve. Uh, we've got emails. Mine's Darian at stuffsummersays.com. Steve's is Steve at stuffsummersays.com. We've got a podcast that you're listening to. Uh, if you're watching it on the YouTube, hit that subscribe button somewhere in that general vicinity. Um, if not, you're listening. You can five stars and thumbs up. We appreciate that. Um, other than that, we've got uh, Twitter handles. Mine's at stuff. Summer says Steve says at Steve Sampson. Have a have a good week, pals.